You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome to the New World Order. This New World Order will be a new society and features lots of changes. This new society is great for some and not so great for others. In the New World Order, you will learn to love to live more modestly. You do not need to own things when you can simply lease them from your loving government-approved companies. We will transform our current pollution-ridden cities to something much more beautiful, and you will love it. Life in the New World Order will be up different. In this new perfect world, cash will be illegal. Everyone will be issued a certain amount of global credits, which will be the only way you can buy and sell in the new society. These digital financial credits will also be tied to your social credit scores. Your credit scores will become your digital footprint and will be used to control your travel, what you can buy, where you can live, your energy usage, medical excess. Everything you do will be in a government database. This is great. You will be issued more credits if you are good and promote our new system. Citizens will be given less global credits if they ever criticize the new world order. If you are non-binary, a demented pedophile can barely think, worship the devil, and help promote the new world order. You will be greatly rewarded with extra credit each month. Since robots and AI will replace most jobs, you will have more time to play your favorite video games and watch more Netflix. This is so great. In the new society, parents will not be allowed to make decisions for their children. The government will raise your kids. Each child will be assigned a state-sponsored caseworker. These caseworkers will teach your kids that everything is racist, how to be queer or gender fluid, and teach them about all the different sex positions. If you object to your caseworkers teaching techniques, or if you object to the caseworker sleeping with your child, everyone in your family will be docked global credits, and your family could be relocated to a FEMA camp. Resistance is foolish. Meet Stacy. Stacy is one of our best caseworkers. Stacy could be in charge of one of your kids. How great would that be? In this new world order, it's important to follow the rules. Certain websites will be illegal. Daddy, what is Infowars.com? Bowcraft. If you see something, say something. You as a citizen should report your neighbors if they aren't following the new rules. You have the power to make the world better. Caring, reporting, assisting, progressive, C-R-A-P, which stands for crap. You too can be a piece of crap and will be greatly rewarded. As we see here, this man misgendered a man lady. The police are dealing with him in the most fitting way. This offender seen here did not recycle his paper straws. If you don't like this, you will be sentenced to death by lethal injection. 
Brought to you by Pfizer. Things will get so bad in our society. Your family will be begging for the new world order. You will need the government in order to survive. In this new utopia, if you do not comply with our new laws and regulations, our totally not corrupt federal and local judges will make sure that you are given the proper penalties, jail, financial ruin, death penalty, anything is possible. As we all adjust to the new normal, it's important to remember that you do not matter. Do not complain about the hyperinflation. Do not complain about the higher taxes. And do not complain about Bill Gates' death panels. This is for the greater good. This is what I call happy making time. Let us all celebrate this new world order. The new world order. Please stay a while. We won't keep you for long. We'll keep you forever. Watching the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome to the American Journal, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Chase Geyser, your host this morning. It is an honor and a pleasure to be with you again on this beautiful Thursday morning. I woke up with a sort of a sense that I had a breath of fresh air, and I think it might have been because at the end of the day yesterday, I heard the news that Kissinger died. And I regret to inform you that I don't know much about Kissinger other than the fact that he was basically involved in every administration since Nixon and seemingly involved in every conflict we've been in since then as well. He was very tight with the Bushes. We know that the Bushes are CIA operatives. And this news that he is gone falls on some as news of a revered diplomat dying and on others as news of a warmonger no longer with us. And frankly, to be honest with you guys, I need to do more research before I get to the bottom of it. I'm sure that it's more likely to be the latter, given that this man was involved with basically every political administration since Nixon and can't really do business with these political people, this political class, for very long without becoming compromised yourself. So it seems to me likely that he was a problematic figure. And when we take calls in the third hour today, I would love to hear more from you about what you think about Kissinger. And maybe you guys can enlighten me a little bit. But speaking of corruption, we have news here that Biden's DOJ targets Trump supporters on Twitter. It demands a list of all users who retweeted, liked, or followed President Trump's Twitter account. This from Jamie White on Infowars.com. DOJ Special Counsel Jack Smith issued a search warrant for all information related to former President Trump's Twitter account, including a list of all users who liked, retweeted, or followed his posts. Heavily redacted court filings show. So why is it that they would want that information if not to surveil you? Now they haven't haven't stopped at simply putting a gag order on President Trump. They haven't stopped at simply harassing him with indictment after indictment for crime not committed after crime not committed. Now they're coming for us through him. They're actually literally using his cases – As the mechanism to come to you. I mean, we always knew that Trump stood in the way. We've always known that they're really after us. And the problem they had with Trump was just that Trump was in the way. But we thought, you know, regardless of whatever happens with Trump, they'll come after us a different way later on, sooner than later. But the fact that they're actually coming straight for us literally through this case is just even more 
evidence, it lends even more credibility to the notion that they really are coming after us and it has very little to do with him. And the other thing that strikes me about this is it's kind of stupid what they're doing. Obviously, it makes sense that they would want to look at things like his direct messages on Twitter and things like that to see if there's any communications that were happening between him and other officials or him and other party leaders or influencers surrounding January 6th or surrounding the election issues. It would make sense why they would want to go through his private messages to see if he incriminates himself at all with anything that he said. But the fact that they're going after everyone who follows, likes, or basically interacted with him in any way on Twitter is kind of stupid because it's so many people, it's not really meaningful. I mean, a lot of people that follow Donald Trump on social media are people that just follow him because he was the former president of the United States, because he was the president of the United States at the time, and because he's the leading candidate for this 2024 election. It doesn't necessarily mean that you endorse or condone him because you follow him. And so they're going to have a list of like millions upon millions of people that are just totally irrelevant. And then the third thing too, is somebody who's in the social media business, they can easily just skim all that information. You can use bot crawlers. You can use Twitter's API to simply scan all of the accounts that follow Donald Trump and get that information that way. So the fact that they're formally requesting this information through a court document is very sort of alarming to me. The 14-page warrant also demanded information on virtually every aspect of the 2024 Republican primary frontrunner's account, including his search history, drafted tweets, blocks, mutes, direct messages, and a list of all devices used to log into the account. So now they want to incriminate him for things that he didn't actually post that he may have thought about posting and he saved them as drafts. Now they're not just coming after him because of his speech. Now they don't even want a gag order on actual speech, but they want to condemn him for things that he thought about saying. This is thought crime, right? I mean, your drafts are what you think. I've saved tons and tons of posts in my Twitter drafts that are probably not conducive or in line with the terms of service of Twitter before Musk bought it and some of the terms of services as they, stand, as they exist. I caught myself before I posted it. Sometimes if I'm on the fence about whether or not I want to post something on X, I'll save it as a draft and decide you know, an hour later or the next day whether or not I really want to post it. And most of the time, if I'm on the fence about it, it's probably a good idea that I don't post it. I have to be careful. And so they're going to try to go through these drafts knowing that these are the more intense the more inappropriate, the more misspelled, whatever tweets that he considered posting but decided not to, and they're going to try to hold that against him. Now they want to publish all the contents of his sort of ideas that he was tossing around on the platform. The warrant issued in January against the social media company now known as X was among several documents released as part of a lawsuit seeking transparency on Smith's investigation into Trump's actions leading up to the January 6, 2021 protests at the U.S. Capitol. In the pages that aren't obscured, there are demands by Smith for information on virtually every conceivable aspect of the 77-year-old former president's Twitter account, including all advertising information and ad topic preferences, all IP addresses associated with the account, Trump's privacy and account settings, records of the account's communications with Twitter support, and all direct messages sent and received by the account from October 20th to January of 2021. So now they even want to get the information from before the election even happened. I mean, I thought they were coming after him because... After the election and in the very beginning of November, he claimed, as they would say, erroneously or fraudulently that the outcome of the election wasn't legitimate. And I thought that they were claiming that because of this fraudulent claim, he then sought to incite an insurrection on January 6th and do anything, pressure anyone in his administration 
to convince them or to maintain his position in office unlawfully. That's what they're accusing him of, right? So why do they want his communications from October? It just seems excessive. The government also sought information on users who interacted with Trump leading up to the riot. So they're using this as an excuse to just spy on all of us. We're all domestic terrorists. We're all white supremacists. We're all right-wing extremists. They think that we're the problem and they want to put us literally on a list just because we follow, interact with, or support Donald Trump. They're adding us to real lists. I mean, I know that we're on these NSA lists, and I know that ever since the Patriot Act, they've been monitoring our calls and monitoring our text messages, and it's mostly automated processes that they use to monitor for keywords, like whether or not you're going to bomb a building or something, and then they'll look into it and have a person listen and make sure that there's not going to be a terrorist attack. I know that that has been happening. We've been on lists for a long time, but now they specifically want us on a list because of who we supported in the 2020 election. This is literally political targeting. It's, it's the attack of or against political dissidents. It's one of the reasons why I use the triangle as my logo for my podcast, the red upright triangle. People ask about it. They think it's some Luciferian cult thing. But it was the uh, badge that the Nazis would put on you if you were a political prisoner during the Holocaust. So although, although the Holocaust definitely targeted Jewish people, there were all sorts of people that were victims of the Holocaust that weren't Jewish. They're Freemasons and the Estimates of fifty to 100,000, any sort of political dissidents were in prison as well, and they were slapped with the red triangle. So that's why I put it up. And now we're seeing this leftist regime, this judicial branch, this Department of Justice, do some of the same crap that the Nazis did. That's how it starts. They put you on a list, then they make you publicly say, like Nikki Haley, like Nikki Haley wants, who you are and what you believe. Right? They want you to wear the star. And then after that, that's when they begin doing things like tearing down your businesses, like blackmailing advertisers on X not to advertise on the platform so that it could potentially go out of business. We'll get into that in, later on in the show. It's like a crystal knocked type thing. They want to shut down all your businesses after they put you on the list. And then what's after that? I mean, we know what happened between like 1933 and 1945. I'm not saying it's going to be that extreme. or the same. It probably will be that extreme, but just a different approach because it's not racially based it's idealistically based so this seems to me just blatantly obvious that this is a step in a holocaust-esque situation this is like a red dawn maoist marxist fascist even it's it's unbelievable to me stick with us folks we're gonna get into more on the other side make sure in the meantime you visit infowarsstore.com and be the reason we are still on the air Why do you think the globalists are desperately trying to censor everybody? Why are they attacking myself and Donald Trump and Elon Musk and everybody else? Because they can't get through this giant megalomaniacal power grab if we're here exposing them. But we're not just exposing their operation. In my new book, we give you the solutions to build a new, better world, an alternative to Klaus Schwab's You Will Eat the Bugs. This is The Great Awakening. The plan to defeat the globalist and launch the second great renaissance. It's a companion to my last book that was a number one worldwide bestseller. And this book is even thicker and even more powerful. Get your copy of The Great Awakening. 
today at InfoWarsStore.com. Either signed as a fundraiser, and I thank you for the support, or unsigned. But whatever you do, take action now. We're fighting for you, but we can't keep on if you don't support us. So please, get the historic book now. Go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening at InfoWarsStore. You're going to want to pay attention to what I'm about to say in the next 60 seconds. Two new incredible products are now available exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. They are both clones of national best-selling products from a major pharmaceutical-slash-supplement maker that are listeners and patriots that are allowing us to private label it at a lower price you'll find in stores. It's Joint Relief Max and Nerve Renew. Both of these have known documented natural compounds to lower pain and to also make your nerves healthier, which is one of the major reasons nerves get irritated and are more inductive to pain. There's major research behind this all. You need to get Joint Relief Max from InfoWars MD and Nerve Renew from InfoWars MD exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Introducing them both, 25% off. You'll find them exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com and they fund their operation. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, your host this morning. We'll be covering the news over the next hour and a half and we're taking your calls in the final hour. You may have seen the viral clip of Elon Musk last night. Elon Musk has a message for advertisers boycotting X. Go F yourself, he says. We're going to play clip one and then talk about it. Ex-owner Elon Musk did not mince words to advertisers, quote, trying to blackmail him with boycotts against his social media platform. Let's hear what he had to say yesterday, and then we will talk about it. Obviously, you know that there's a public perception that, and, and you're clarifying this now, um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But... Go yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't about, advertise. How do you think then about the economics of, of X? If, 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 if part of the underlying model, at least today, and maybe it needs to shift, maybe the answer is it needs to shift away from advertising. Um, if, if you believe that this is the one part of your business where you will be beholden to those who uh, have this view, what do you do? F Y. I, I understand that, but there's a reality too, <laughs> right? Yes. No. No. It, it, I mean, Linda no, Yaccarino's I, I, right here, and she's got to sell advertising. Absolutely. So, um, no. No. Totally. So. So. No. no actually, what, what this advertising boycott is uh, is, is going to do? It's, it's going to kill the company. And you think that the company? But and the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. 
But there are, those advertisers, I imagine, are going to say, they're going to say, we didn't kill the company. Oh, yeah? They're going to say... Tell it to, tell it to Earth. But they're going to say, that, they're going to say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? That's, see, that's and, what and they're going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. Well, there you have it. Obviously, blackmailing the wealthiest man in the world with a money issue is probably not going to be a very successful approach. But really, when push comes to shove, when we look at these businesses that have been withholding their advertising dollars, all these businesses, they're actually not doing very well. Disney's one of them. They're major businesses, but they're having issues with nobody coming out for their new movies, their new content. And they have been sort of on the cusp of this woke critical theory agenda in terms of their actual content, right? They they made Coco, which is a great movie with great songs, but it's basically obviously about illegal immigration and supporting it. They made countless other movies, pieces of content that no one wants to go to, no one wants to see. They've butchered these traditional stories that we sort of hold dear. They change all the characters. They change all of the messages and themes of their shows, their entertainment to brainwash the youth into a wokest leftist culture. And it's because of environmental sustainability and governance and diversity, equity, and inclusion. These policies that they're sort of forced to comply with if they want to have any sort of credit with a major lending institution. And so when something comes out that even smells faintly like something that would be even interpreted by the most extreme leftist as anti-Semitic, these platforms are going to pull away from that because after all, you can lose your bank account for being critical of Israel. I know Ryan Dawson. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I had him on my podcast. Brilliant guy. He lost his bank account for being critical of Israel. And most of the people I know who are critical of Israel, save maybe one or two that I can think of, the vast majority of people I know who are vehemently critical of Israel are not anti-Semitic. They don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the Jewish people as a race. But for some reason, the mainstream narrative has allowed those two issues, Zionism and anti-Semitism, to be fused together and merged as one. So if you oppose one, then you inherently oppose the other. Ben Shapiro famously saying that if you are anti-Zionist, then you're inherently anti-Semitic, which is just false. You can not have a problem with Jewish people and have an issue with the way that Israel does business and interacts with anyone in the world, whether it's the Palestinians or the United States or others. And so they're trying to blackmail Musk with pulling away advertiser dollars, but it's not because they actually care about the issues. It's not because they actually think he's anti-Semitic or because they care whether he's anti-Semitic. They don't, they don't give a damn, frankly, about anything like that. Everything is about the bottom line and in reinforcing the political class for these major institutions like the IBMs and the Disneys and the Lion Gates and whatever. And so it's all faux. We see in clip two here, which we'll run in a segment, in a second, excuse me, that they're just trying to look good so that they don't have to deal with any PR nightmares. It's not actually a principle-based approach. Go ahead and run clip two, please. The approach to um, some of the stuff you're doing with, with AI has been very specific, right? There's not a let, let the chips fall where they may approach to those businesses, I don't think. No, we focus on making the best products. And, and, and Tesla's gotten to where it's gotten with no advertising at all. I understand that. Tesla currently sells uh, two, twice as much uh, in terms of electric vehicles. 
as the rest of electric car makers in, in the United States combined. Tesla has done more to help the environment than uh, all other companies combined. It would be fair to say that, therefore, as a leader of the company, I've done more for the environment than everyone else, any single human on Earth. How do you feel about that? No, I, no, how do I feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm asking you personally how you feel about that, because this goes, we're talking about power and influence. And, I'm, and saying, I'm saying what I, what, what I care about is the, the reality of goodness, not the perception of it. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. F*** them. Okay? And it's obvious that he's not an anti-Semitic guy. I mean, he just went to Israel and bent the knee, basically, to Netanyahu. I, I, I don't want to say that he bent the knee, but he was very friendly, very amicable, and came away much more in support of Israel, I think, than when he arrived. The guy is an open-minded guy. He's a brilliant guy, and he says what he wants because... That's his conviction. That's his principle. The whole reason he bought Twitter and turned it into X was so that everyone could say what they want. Well, almost everyone could say what they want, and he could say what they want. Now he's getting blackmailed to the point where the company could potentially fold if its operating costs exceed its advertising revenue because of this political agenda. They don't want freedom of speech anywhere to exist on the Internet, especially ahead of this election in 2024. And I know that he could fund it out of his own pocket. He could sell shares of Tesla or whatever and try to prop it up. But you have to make money in order to keep a business like Twitter operational because at one point in time, it was losing a million dollars a day. He can't afford that. And that's why he's tried to pivot to the subscription model where the users actually pay a monthly fee because that makes you independent of these advertisers. It's a way to free yourself from these advertisers. Just like all the states in the United States are dependent on the federal government for money. Twitter and these other corporations, these other social media big tech platforms are dependent on the advertisers for money. So that's why you never see the states actually combat the federal government very often because they don't want any of their federal funding to be withheld. And it's why you don't see any of these companies actually take a controversial stance on any issue because they're all trying to be friends with everybody and being friends with everybody is sort of just like being no one yourself. I, I don't know. More on the other side, folks. Stick with us. Came Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, and Super Mario Brothers, and now the ultimate retro nostalgia throwback game. I present to the world Alex Jones's New World Order Wars. They're turning the friggin' frogs gay. I'll eat your ass, you Nazi scum. Let's free the Patriots and defeat the globalist techies. We are going to defeat the globalists very bigly. This game is mostly peaceful. Woo! Ah! Ooh, I'm going to lower the world's population. <laughs> oh, big deal. I'm taking you down, rapist. I did not have sexual relations with that saxophone. <laughs> Download it now at alexjonesgame.com because as we all know, anything badass gets censored. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, your host this morning. 
Irish villagers erect roadblocks to stop government from busing migrants into their community. Residents of villages in Ireland have resorted to establishing barricades and road checkpoints around their communities to prevent the government from relocating asylum seekers to their areas. This has obviously been controversial over the last several days. Even some among the Irish leadership have come out and said that these are right-wing extremists and even terrorists, as we covered yesterday. I do want to show a brief clip, clip three, of a woman who is a migrant who's just encouraging everybody to get along peacefully. Let's go ahead and run it. It is very unsettling. Everyone is living on edge right now, and we need to do something about it. We cannot continue ignoring that this is a small minority of far-right movie. It is an organized terrorist group of people who want to harm immigrants in this country, and we have to take action now. We can't keep on calling them a small, dangerous group of people because it is an organized group of people who are radicalizing young people and encouraging them to go and harm others who are just living peacefully, who wants to live a peaceful life in this country. This is the difference between immigration and migration. Immigration is when you go somewhere to be that culture, to be that people. Thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions of people got on boats, came in through Ellis Island, signed the book, and assimilated to American culture. You can hardly tell a difference in the United States between, at least from the last generation or two, between different races, backgrounds, or ethnicities. I can't, really, I can't tell the difference between a German guy. I'm German. My, my family came over in 1893, I believe, from Switzerland. But they had escaped Germany during the Reformation. So I'm German. I can't tell a difference between my culture and my Irish father-in-law's culture. Seem like the same guy. We're both just American, sort of right-thinking, business-owning people. That's what immigration is. You come over to an area and you become that area. But migration is when you go into an area and you refuse to assimilate and you endeavor to make it your own. It's kind of like what we did with the settling of North America. We settled it. We lived here for hundreds of years. We established colonies. And we did some mingling with the Native Americans that were here. But frankly, we just migrated here and forced them out and established our own culture. And I don't actually have a moral qualm with that. It's unfortunate that we had to do things like the Trail of Tears. Obviously, I'm against those things. But I believe in the right of conquest. I believe if you come to an area and you're a superior people and you've somehow managed to survive and the other group that was there doesn't manage to survive, well, that's fair game. That's just how it goes. It's unfortunate that we're a violent people, that we're a violent species, and that things like that happen. Obviously, things could be done much better than that. But if you win it, it's yours, as far as I'm concerned. Now, the problem isn't about accusing migrants of being immoral for migrating. Everybody understands the rationale behind why somebody would migrate to the United States or migrate to the European Union from wherever they're coming from. It makes sense to me why somebody from Mexico would want to cross the border illegally and work 16 hours a day to send U.S. dollars back to their family and friends in Mexico. And I know that some of them are criminals that come over here, and I know some of them are cartel-related. I'm not saying that these migrants aren't criminals, but many of them, if not the majority of them, are just trying to do landscaping and paint houses and do drywall and send money back home. I know it because I worked in that business before. So... 
The issue is not with the migrants wanting to come over. Obviously, they want to come over. They want to do right by their families. The issue is that our government has decided that they don't care about how harmful that could potentially be to the national security of the United States, to the sovereignty of the United States. The problem is that the European Union, as a government organization, has decided that it doesn't care what that means for the locals or the culture or the the communities there that they're actually elected to represent. And so what they're doing is they're allowing this colonialism to happen to them right before their eyes, and they're not doing anything to stop it. And we know that two cultures cannot live in the same location peacefully without some sort of assimilation. We're supposed to be a boiling pot here, right? Is that the expression that we use? Not the boiling pot, but the uh, melting pot. That means we all melt into the same thing. You bring a little bit of spice, I bring a little bit of salt, you bring a little bit of cheese, I bring a little bit of beef, whatever. We melt it all together and it's like this awesome queso dip, right? It's one thing then. But we have all these different cultures that refuse to assimilate with one another, and that's what's creating these conflicts in the European Union. It's what's creating these protests in our major cities with the Palestinian protesters advocating for Hamas and terrorism and shouting from the river to the sea. And maybe maybe it is their land. I don't know. I'm not trying to make a point about it. I'm just saying that this is not an American culture. It's obviously very something else when I look at this. It doesn't feel like America. I know what America feels like. I remember it. I'm old enough to remember what America was like. And even Kissinger, of all people, acknowledged that this is an issue. Let's watch clip 11 and see what he had to say. It was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different cultural and religious and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. There you have it. And this is the debate that we're having. It's even sort of the debate that Ben Shapiro is having with himself. I do want to play clip six, if you can pull it up in a minute. You can't just have different cultures co-located. There's got to be an assimilation. There's got to be compromise. And it's okay to let people immigrate here who want to become American. But to let people cross our border who have no interest in actually being American or supporting or upholding American values. We have politicians now that talk about how important our constitution is and in the same sentence talk about protecting our democracy, even though the word democracy isn't mentioned once in the constitution. Let's see what Ben Shapiro said about immigration over the years in clip six. Now, we've been seeing the, these massive marches all over the United States in favor of Hamas. If that doesn't scare the hell out of Jews, I'm not sure exactly what will. These campuses, which are supposed places of safety and and openness and diversity. Well, when it comes to Jewish students feeling, you know, just a little threatened by people who are now defending mass murder of Jews, then, of course, there, there's nothing to be done. Are these people who, uh, who are marching in favor of Hamas that you would want working for your company? On campuses across the nation, Jews have been surrounded. Jews are being threatened all over the world, but we've got to make sure that the people who join the threats, those are the people who are protected. If they are not citizens and they support Hamas, they should be deported. These folks don't think like you. They don't think like you. In the United Kingdom, Jewish students are now afraid to go to class. I know, I know. You, you are in your dorm and you're ensconced there and you feel so comfortable with all your friends who tell you that you're just a great person and all your beliefs are exactly right. The last thing you want is somebody invading your campus and saying things that you disagree with because that's just tyrannical and awful. You shouldn't have to feel like you're wrong ever. You should always feel like you're right. Well, toughen up, sweetheart. Bottom line is that it's time for you to learn that there are lots of differing opinions. 
The discussion is good for you. It makes your views stronger. It makes your views more durable. It is that exchange of ideas that actually makes an intellectual community worth having. If you're not willing to engage in that intellectual community, you're in the wrong place. If you want a safe space, we can find a padded cell for you somewhere. If you want life to just be a giant teddy bear, go back to being a child. But if you want to be an adult in the United States of America, you're going to have to deal with the fact that there are people who disagree. And that's a good thing to discuss. There are only one group of people that want safe spaces so that they never have to hear from anybody of a different ideology or political persuasion. Those people are called fascists. Okay, and you've got a bunch of fascists, damn fascists on this campus who are trying to shut down political debate and trying to cloister themselves in this little cocoon of stupidity so they don't have to debate anyone or think about issues outside their kin so that they can feel comfortable. Guess what? Life isn't about feeling comfortable. Life is about bettering yourself. Get off your ass, you stupid pansies. So you guys get the point. We can go ahead and pull out of this. And this is in the context of this headline here on Infowars.com. Muslim Ireland counselor says of Dublin rioters who protested migrant stabbing spree, quote, I'd like to see them shot in the head. And quote. Obviously, these two cultures are not compatible with one another, folks. Make sure you visit Infowarsstore.com and get Survival Shield X2, which is finally back in stock for 25% off, plus free shipping and double Patriot points today. Cyber Week 2023, the biggest sale of the year, is now live. Store-wide free shipping on any order, double Patriot points, that's 10% off your next order, and up to 60% off on best-selling products. And X2, sold out for more than a year, that is the game-changing element in your body that counters the fluoride, everything. Nobody else has got it. Limited supply, X2, is discounted in fullwarstore.com. And we've got sales right here, as much as 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com. We've got Brain Force Plus, the incredible nootropic, 60% off. Brain Force Ultra, fast acting, 60% off. Real Red Pill Plus, green fiber capsules, down out sleep support, 50% off. Vaso Beats, finally back in stock, 40% off. Bodies about to sell out, 40% off. The list goes on and on. And get a copy of my new book, The Great Awakening, The Plan to Defeat the Globalists and Launch the Next Great Renaissance, all at InfoWarsStore.com. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man. But I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you, and that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me, not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because you're a bad person, because you're a good person, because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. And that's why I want you always to remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. First thing is, uh, you know, I'm I'm out of office for a long time now. Yeah. But you but, know history, and you know how to negotiate, I, I and you know the Russians. I have done my utmost 
to prevent the president for whom I was working from talking on the phone in the middle of a crisis with the head of state of another country, even more an adversarial country, because to be to become president of any country, you must have a highly developed ego. When you put two egos into confrontation with each other, yes, and if there's no agreement, to whom can you appeal? I think it's really as a general rule of diplomacy. Uh, heads of government should not encounter each other unless they have defined ahead of time what the parameters are, unless it's just a general philosophical meeting. So an hour and 15 minutes, uh, you ask yourself with interpreters uh, what is needed. It's that one discusses what is it we're trying to do here, both of us, and what are the limits that either of us can accept. Mm. Uh, as you pointed out, I've had many hours of conversation with Putin. They're all substantive. I, ne I have no personal relationship with him whatsoever. And they all done it his in initiative. And what he wants to discuss, in my, with me at least, is an understanding of the situation uh, and look, given his position. This is not a superpower. They have a lot of nuclear weapons. They don't have a huge, hugely effective army. They have a border with China. They have a border with the Middle East. Uh, they have a declining uh, manpower. So, an uh, aging population and an economy that's not in good shape, except so, for energy. So for all of these reasons, one, uh, this is what I should, should take place. Now, it could be done by Kerry uh, also, uh, but I don't think Lavrov is a policy maker. Lavrov is a policy executor. So one has to read either Putin or the head of the presidential administration, Ivanov, uh, and... Uh, Tended to head should talk. Join us online. We make one of the mistakes that we make when we look at people like Kissinger is we disregard everything they say because we know that they've done some evil things. And we should never underestimate brilliance, whether it's good or bad. The example I used yesterday when I was speaking with one of the guys on the crew. It's like if Hitler said two plus two is four, does it make it not true because Hitler said it because he was such a bad guy? And that is the brilliance in the manipulation of Kissinger. I'm not saying that anything that he advocated was good. I know that we got involved in conflict after conflict under his leadership. I know that he exported our manufacturing to the Chinese, and it's manifest in all sorts of problems and codependence among the nations in conflict now. And I know that he believed in a pragmatic approach to politics and foreign policy that transcended or basically just disregarded any sort of principled or idealistic approach. That was sort of his philosophy, right? But when he sits there and he talks about two leaders and the type of person that becomes a president 
of any country, whether it's the United States or Ukraine or whatever, is the type of person that has a very large and very sensitive ego. I had a man named Scott Rouse on my podcast a couple of years ago. He's a friend of mine from Nashville, Tennessee. When I lived there, I met him. And he is an expert body language analyst, interrogator, not torture interrogation, but determining whether someone's lying in the interrogation room, for lack of a better term. And we were talking about psychopaths and sociopaths and body language and lying and how they operate and why they do what they do. He would get called in as a contractor, as I understand it, when they had somebody that they thought maybe killed multiple people and he would try to figure out where the bodies were, get them to admit it. And I asked him whether he thought Donald Trump was a sociopath or a psychopath, just because I was curious what he would say. And he said, in order to get that job, you almost always have to be. And I don't think that Donald Trump is a sociopath or a psychopath. I think he has a conscience, but I do believe that his ego is giant. I don't have a problem with that. We had Patty from Boston call the other day and talking about how he was egotistical and narcissistic and self-absorbed. And sometimes that's a problem when the ego of a leader conflicts with the interests of the people that they're supposed to lead. But oftentimes the ego of the leader coincides with the interests of the people that they're supposed to lead. And a leader that wants to have a legacy of awesomeness may oftentimes want to do the best he or she can by his or her people. And there's so much wisdom in what he said about showing respect and not having two egos conflicting with one another in any sort of diplomacy. You don't want to be on your phone when you're negotiating with Putin as if you have something more important going on because he's got a giant ego too and that's just going to create all sorts of problem and conflict. And this ties in directly to the problem that is Joe Biden. The fact that we are sending this man to meet with these leaders and he's clearly not even cognitively present. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. I'm not trying to punch at punch low below the belt on this situation obviously even if he was brilliant and sharp as attack i would still have all sorts of problems with joe biden because i don't agree with any of his policies or his actions i think he's terribly corrupt but the fact that we're sending someone with dementia who just yesterday referred to trump as congressman trump who just yesterday visited some sort of a bombing facility and was bragging or joking around about a marine having the ability to blow up the entire having the codes to blow up the entire world this is somebody who can't even find his way off of a stage when we sit this man down with a xi jinping in san francisco and blinken sits there nervously hoping he's not going to screw up by calling him a dictator right after this meeting it is inherently bruising to the ego of the of the leader imagine if you were going to pitch a company a service that you wanted to offer a product. Let's just say that you were going to go and you were going to pitch Apple, a new operating system that you and your team had designed. And it was back when Steve jobs was the CEO and you had the meeting with Steve jobs and you showed up and he wasn't there. And instead they had his secretary or office manager meet with you. That's like what we're doing when we send Biden to meet with any other foreign leader. Zelensky's like, whoa, my country's getting invited and we're sending Pete Buttigieg over there or we're sending Biden over there who can't even complete a sentence or we're having Xi Jinping come over here 
to negotiate with us amidst this world war level conflict between Ukraine and Russia and Israel and Palestine and Iran and China and the United States. All the big boys are involved. And this guy can't even remember. Any, I mean, you see, you've seen the pictures of Joe Biden sitting at the desk where he's got everybody's name card in front of him so that he, when he looks at somebody at the end of the table, he can line it up with what their name is. He doesn't even know the names of the people that he meets with. I don't know if you've ever read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but one of the first things you do is you exercise some skills, especially if you're a politician, by all means. You exercise some skills and some tricks to try to remember people's names. There's ways to do that. And so when you go to a meeting with Joe Biden, he doesn't know who you are and you have important stuff you want to talk about and you're concerned about XYZ policies that are negatively impacting your nation or your political agenda. It's offensive. And so what's happened is we've brought ourselves into a position where no one in the international community respects the United States of America anymore. They might not have liked Donald Trump, but they respected him. They didn't invade Ukraine. They didn't take Taiwan. There was much less conflict in Israel. There was some, of course. It's always been that way since 1948 between the Palestinians and the Israelis. But there was at least respect. He was a loose cannon. You didn't know what he was going to do, and nobody messed with him, regardless of whether he was good or bad, or they liked him or they disliked him. There was respect. You respected your opponent, your enemy, the opposite side. And in our hubris... Our intelligence community, our establishment political class has decided that it would be a good idea for the United States to put the most embarrassing person in office. And not even the fact that it's embarrassing to us, but it's actually just offensive to everyone else who is a leader of a nation in the world that we did that. More on the other side, folks. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Check out Survival Shield X2, which is finally back in stock. Get it for 25% off, plus free shipping, and double the Patriot points. Globals want you to be run down and unhealthy so they can dominate your life. Fight back with one of nature's greatest essentials today at InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. First came Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, and Super Mario Brothers. And now, the ultimate retro nostalgia throwback game. I present to the world... Alex Jones's New World Order Wars. The turn of the friggin' frogs game. I'll eat your ass. You Nazi scum. Let's free the Patriots and defeat the globalist tech news. We are going to defeat the globalists very bigly. This game is mostly peaceful. Woo! Ah! going to lower the world's population. <laughs> oh, big deal. I'm taking you down, rapist. I did not have sexual relations with that saxophone. <laughs> Download it now at alexjonesgame.com because as we all know, anything badass gets censored. The tables have turned on the coordinated invasion of Europe by the United Nations New World Order establishment. For a year, the Irish people protested their government peacefully against the madness of an off-the-rails immigration system. 23-year-old Ashling Murphy was a primary school teacher and a talented traditional musician. 
She was murdered while jogging along the Grand Canal in Tullamore, County Offaly, in January last year, stabbed 11 times in the neck. Today, 33-year-old Josef Pushka was found guilty of murder after 13 days of evidence and more than 60 witnesses. I looked across the road and I seen a man in a stab of motion where a load of children... It was fitting that the words of Irish-American John F. Kennedy define the series of events to come with this wisdom. Quote, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. Ireland's UFC champion Conor McGregor declared war. McGregor was quickly investigated for hate speech by the New World Order fascists, a media and political death machine installed by the World Economic Forum, barking the now all-too-familiar demonization of the native people as far-right extremists. We need to do something about it. We cannot continue ignoring that this is a small minority of far-right movie. It is an organized terrorist group. No one hates Ireland more than the Irish far-right. They hate bus drivers, librarians, Lewis drivers, teachers, they hate teachers, women, gays, trans, they lose trans people, politicians, can't stand politicians, hate working people, Muslims, Jews, the Jewish replacement theory, we see them standing on O'Connell Street and making these outrageous speeches, outrageous anti-Semitic speeches, you know, and they'll happily smash up their own city and loot shops. Lies upon lies. Three Irish kids stabbed today and you're even robbing the place. Well, I use all doctors and engineers. There you say, folks. Look who's robbing the clothes. Don't get in my face or crack your jaw wide open. And then the Irish Parliament weighed in. These criminals did not do what they did because they love Ireland. They did not do what they did because they wanted to protect Irish people. They did not do it out of any sense of patriotism, however warped. They did so because they're filled with hate. While it's true that the Irish have known uh, a fair share of of oppression, the reality is uh, during that oppression we still maintained our our invisibility cloak of white privilege. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. We also need to see a real commitment from government to tackle and target the far right, to ensure intelligence-led policing is tackling and taking them on. As Keith Woods reported, Irish government ministers are considering proposals to cut welfare of people who took part in the anti-immigration riot. Ironically, the Algerian migrant who stabbed children outside the school hadn't worked in 20 years. And Ashling Murphy's killer, Joseph Puska, had lived on welfare in Ireland for over 10 years. Meanwhile, Limerick City and County Council member Azad Talukter said that he would like to see those involved in the Dublin riots shot in the head. Spoiler alert to the Irish government. These aren't far-right extremists. These are the Irish people he would like shot in the head. It's the New Ireland. It is, though. It is the New Ireland. It's the New Ireland of 
uh, new different diversities, multicultural people, Filipinos, Spanish, Africans, mixed people. The whites are going extinct here now, so we are we're taking over. <laughs> there will be no new Ireland. Ireland is for and of the Irish people, and it always will be. John Bound reporting. American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, your host this morning. We've got a couple of great guests coming on this morning. I'm really excited. I'll give you more details about those. And we will be taking calls in the third hour as well. I have to break up the calls. We might do calls the second half of this hour. Well, we might do actually. We actually might do calls in the next segment. I'm gonna think about it because we might actually do calls in the next show. Yeah, we might actually do calls next week sometime. <laughs> so the White House is going rogue. Secret surveillance program breaks all of the laws. The government wants us to believe that we have nothing to fear from its mass spying programs, as long as we've done nothing wrong. Quote, we are rapidly entering the age of no privacy where everyone is open to surveillance at all times, where there are no secrets from government. William O. Douglas dissenting in Osborne versus the United States in 1966. We know that the Biden administration has been spying on the American people. We know that they're now trying to subpoena all of the interactions that anyone's ever had with Trump's Twitter account and those details. We know from the Patriot Act that they were in our webcams, that they were in our phones, that they were in our emails. We know that all of the big tech companies are stealing all of our data and selling it. And we know that the government is one of the main buyers. So you're right. There is no privacy. And it's just a matter of time because you don't really need privacy when nothing you do can be held against you, when nothing you do is illegal. But now that they know everything about you, all they have to do is sort of determine what they want to make illegal so that they can then hold you accountable for that. And the surveillance doesn't just begin and end with your phone or your laptop or your electric vehicle or your television or any smart device, but it happens in person as well. We know that it's very obvious that on January 6th, there were quite a few federal agents operating in the field on that day, and it seems very likely, overwhelmingly likely, that many of those operatives actually incited the actions that took place on that day, which were then used to call half of America insurrectionists, traitors, extremists, and incriminate us as terrorists. Let's go ahead and run clip nine, where House Rep estimates that there were at least 200 federal agents working in January 6th. Ryan, I'm sure that it was more than that. Clip nine, right ahead. Joining me now, Louisiana Congressman Clay Higgins. Congressman, Merry Christmas. Glad to see you. You recently grilled FBI Director Christopher Wray regarding the FBI's role on January 6th. Let's play a clip of that for the folks at home. A year later, we the people still do not have a definitive answer from you or anyone else in the Biden administration regarding the FBI presence and participation. Can you confirm that the FBI had that sort of engagement with your own agents embedded within the crowd on January 6th? If you are asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources and or agents, the answer is emphatically You're saying not. no. 
no. Hmm. In my opinion, it appears the FBI congressman, as it targets one political party, targets whole religions, has turned into a quasi-secret police force targeting Americans rather than defending us. How do you see it? Yeah, very similar from my perspective, sir. The, the FBI was, was not only involved in the act, actions on January 6th from within. They had, uh, I suspect, uh, over 200 agents embedded within the crowd, including agents, or as they would call human assets, uh, inside the Capitol dressed as Trump supporters before the doors were opened. Um, beyond that, the FBI had embedded themselves and infiltrated uh, online chat groups and, and websites and social media accounts across the country with any group that was discussing uh, objections to COVID oppression. And the FBI, you know, effectively infiltrated those groups. And when you track the the text threads and the communications within those groups and find the origins of suggestions of potential violence or or an active occupation of the Capitol on January 6th, you'll, you'll find that those those messages were led by members of the groups that ended up to be the FBI agents that had infiltrated the group. So the FBI's involvement was deep, not just on J6, but on the days and weeks and months prior. And of course, the, the video that's just recently been released also showing the Capitol Police welcoming in uh, people into the Capitol, uh, not trying to keep them out as we were led to believe initially, undermining this whole insurrection narrative. Congressman, we're also now learning through new court documents. Special Inquisitor Jack Smith demanded a list of Twitter users that liked or retweeted social media posts from President Trump. Congressman, as the Democrats have largely abandoned the Constitution, and with the corruption that we've all witnessed at FBI and DOJ, it doesn't take much imagination to see socialists in the Democrat Party using a list like that for government threats, government intimidation, and government coercion. Can Republicans in good conscience continue to fund a DOJ and its operatives in light of their partisan and what I see as anti-American actions? Conservative Republicans certainly stand against funding uh, a DOJ and FBI that is clearly weaponized against the American people. Uh, we, we're taking a hard look at rebuilding the whole thing. So, okay, that's let me enough say of this regarding clip. Jack Smith. Rebuilding the whole thing. I don't think there's any reforming the FBI. I don't think there's any reforming the CIA. I think we've established an unchecked fourth branch of government that has to be abolished. And intelligence has to be done in a different way. I know I've mentioned it on air before. I'll mention it again. I cannot think of an instance in which on any sort of a substantial scale, a CIA operative or an FBI operative has ever been held accountable for the crimes of the agency. Now, there's instances you can find stories of FBI agent arrested for human trafficking or CIA agent beat his wife or whatever. You can find instances like that. But I'm talking about actual scandals associated with the agencies. Nobody ever gets held accountable. There is no checking and balancing here. This is a hyper-funded military Gestapo intelligence spy network, and it has all the leverage it needs over all of our politicians, 
They basically do whatever the intelligence community says. I'm pretty sure they blackmailed. I'm almost positive they blackmailed Biden into running because they knew that they could control him because he's going to go to prison or Hunter's going to go to prison without a pardon. So we're going to see a pardon from Joe Biden for Hunter as one of his last actions as president of the United States. And they said, look, you're going to run. You're going to do what we said. And that's the only way that and we'll get you in the office. And that's the only way that you're going to stay out of prison. Your son's going to stay out of prison. So he did it, even though he was dementia ridden. And you can see the look in Jill's face. She's got the guilt. She knows that they had to do it for the family. And she knows that if Hunter hadn't screwed up so bad, then poor Joe wouldn't be in office with dementia. You can tell by the way that she looks at him that she's just guilt ridden about what they're doing. And he's perfectly happy. He's oblivious. He gets free ice cream every single day. He loves it. He's, he's doing fine. But it really is elder abuse what we're seeing happen. This is the intelligence community. They've toppled government after government with the likes of Kissinger. They've catalyzed war after war. And they've assassinated leader after leader, including our very own president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. So you can't just go in and reform the CIA or the FBI, you have to totally tear it down and build something new. When a house is dilapidated to a certain extent, when termites have rotted out the frame of a building so much that it's barely standing, you can't just go in and fix it. It's, it makes more sense financially to just rebuild it. So I don't like hearing the right-wingers or the left-wingers, the establishment right or the establishment left, talk about reform, 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 because all reform means is more laws and more programs and more departments and more funding with no results. What do you, what do you mean you're going to reform it? What are you going to do? Are you going to establish some sort of a citizen panel to review the actions of the CIA and the FBI like so many of these cities during the defund the police movement? Establish the citizen review boards to monitor cases of police brutality. You're not going to solve anything by reforming it. That's just a way for you to inspire the support of your base without actually solving or addressing the problem because going after the intelligence community is not a task to be taken lightly. Nobody wants to do it. You don't attack a stronger enemy head on and they are perhaps the strongest enemy of the American people in the world. Normally, Christmas is our biggest sell of the year. But because of supply chain breakdowns and other issues, this is our biggest sale. Because finally, almost all of our best-selling products are finally back in stock, including sold out for more than a year, X2, the only true nascent iodine out there is finally back. What it does for your immune system, your body, all your cells is miraculous. It's discounted at InfoWarsTore.com. Double Patriot points, free shipping, biggest sale hands down of 2023. I'm sure Christmas will have a big sale, but we'll be sold out of most of this. So Christmas has come early. Black Friday's come early. And it funds the InfoWar. Get X2. Get VasoBeats back in stock. Get all the other great products at InfoWarsTore.com right now. But again, our fan favorite, my favorite, is X2. Sold out for over a year. Could be our last run if we're shut down. Get it while you can. X2, discounted Infowarsstore.com. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid still highly toxic but containable now these companies had a stockpile of this poison and there was no affordable way to dispose of it lucky for them one of their major stockholders was also the secretary of the treasury 
who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Chase Geiser, your host this morning. We have a couple of great guests coming up as we'll cover this story. Matt Couch is going to be joining us this morning in about 10 minutes. Matt Couch, as you may well know, has been involved in this Seth Rich case over the course of the years, basically since this unfortunate event took place where he was killed. And just to give you a little bit of context, and I'm going to pull from memory here, so take what I say with a grain of salt. Seth Rich was the DNC staffer who died mysteriously in Washington, D.C., and he was thought to have been, and I'm saying this emphasis on thought, he was thought to have been perhaps leaking DNC information to WikiLeaks at the time. And so the conspiracy theory, which I don't know if it's true or not, the conspiracy theory was, I'm not saying that it's true, but the conspiracy theory was that he was leaking DNC information to WikiLeaks, back when WikiLeaks was awesome, and that he was basically killed. That's the conspiracy theory. Because what happened was the law enforcement who investigated the case, said it was a botched robbery. I think he was shot in the back of the head. I could be wrong about that. And nothing was taken from him. So he wasn't actually robbed. His wallet was still with him, I believe, his phone, all that stuff. He was just killed in Washington, D.C. So the conspiracy was that he was whacked for leaking information to WikiLeaks from the DNC because he was a DNC staffer. And there have been a lot of lawsuits about it, a little defamation suits here and there and it's been complicated and up until this point we really haven't had a whole lot more information it kind of seemed like it was resolved but now the fbi is ordered to turn over evidence in the murder of former dnc staffer seth rich a federal judge has ordered the fbi to disclose to the court information about suspected dnc leaker seth rich's mysterious murder texas judge amos mazant on Tuesday ruled the FBI must hand over Rich's personal laptop, work laptop, a DVD, and thumb drive within 14 days. So we should have it by the time that Owen is back hosting the war room. A timeline for the disclosure of information on Seth Rich's personal laptop, Seth Rich's work laptop, the DVD and tape drive within 14 days following the issuance of this memorandum of opinion and order. Rich, a Democratic National Committee staffer at the time, was killed during an alleged botched robbery attempt in Washington, D.C. In, in July of 2016, according to the official narrative. His murderer has never been found. Rich's death came soon after DNC emails were released by WikiLeaks to the public, leading some to speculate that he was their source of the leaks. And again, we are not taking the position that he was the source. We are just reporting what the conspir conspiracy theorists were saying. 
The leaked internal emails revealed the DNC rigged the 2016 Democratic National Convention's nomination process in favor of Hillary Clinton, resulting in the abrupt resignation of then-DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who I believe just went straight to working for the Hillary Clinton campaign, I think in Florida, after this happened. So I know it was a long time ago. I know we had a lot of drama, other election drama since 2016. But this was a very big deal because it's against the law. It's against the rules of the Democratic Party for the party as a whole to interfere in a primary election. The party is not supposed to disproportionately support or intervene on behalf of any individual candidate before the voters, before the members of the party, the actual people who vote have selected their candidate. Then once the candidate is chosen, then that's when the party comes in and starts running national campaigns, starts coordinating, targeting, actually explicitly advocating funding, whatever, on behalf of that specific candidate. So before that, you might see ads from the DNC that are antagonistic toward whoever the right-wing candidate is, but you're not going to see any of the parties actually support explicitly with funding or materials or services a specific candidate. But these emails revealed that the DNC had already made the decision to support Hillary Clinton, even though the primary election hadn't been determined. And so I don't know if Bernie Sanders would have won or not in 2016. I think he likely would have. He was very popular back then. And fact, fact of the matter is a lot of Bernie Sanders voters in the primary switched over and voted for Trump because they hated Hillary so much, especially after it came out that she cheated. And so what the party did was it illegally supported Hillary before the primary was over in order to push Sanders out. I'm, and I'm no fan of Sanders, but they, they, they cheated. They cheated in the primary election, but they would never cheat in a general election. It's so funny to me how they act like the 2020 general election was the safest election in our history as a nation, and the Democrats would never cheat. And it's impossible to cheat when literally four years earlier, they cheated against each other in a primary election to ensure that Bernie Sanders wouldn't be the candidate. And he just sort of sat down, backed off, went back home and gave up, endorsed Hillary and everything. He just he knew they cheated against him and he just took the hit. And I don't know if that's something he did because he's a champ or something he did because he's a wuss. Maybe he knew that if he did what Trump did, which was call them out, he would be faced with nothing short of persecution, prosecution after prosecution and the total degradation or slandering of his character. And he would have been right. But very bizarre that this staffer died in conjunction with this information going to WikiLeaks. Very bizarre that we've seen what has happened to Julian Assange in conjunction with these sorts of leaks. You've got to be careful when you go against the intelligence community, don't you? We were talking about that in the last segment. Nobody wants to take on the intelligence community because everybody's blackmailed, intimidated, and harassed by them. They just say reform, reform, reform instead of abolish, abolish, abolish. This is why you got to support people like the Trumps. And, the Viveks. and I know that Trump failed to destabilize the intelligence community during his first term. I know that the FBI and the CIA were corrupt the whole time and they're still corrupt, but at least he fired some people. At least he kicked Comey out. He did actually make changes. That doesn't happen very often in these intelligence organizations. They are so entrenched with our political class that you've got the former director of the CIA, George Bush Sr. as the president. And then, of course, his, his father, Prescott Bush, was on the board of a very important bank years before that got in trouble for doing business with the Nazis during World War II. And then his son becomes a governor of Texas. His other son becomes a governor of Florida. And one of his sons then becomes the president of the United States, despite 
having an IQ similar to the room temperature. And it's because the Kissingers and the Bushes and the intelligence community, they were all this sort of cohesive group. Clinton was very buddy-buddy with the intelligence community, and that's why they wanted Hillary in, because they knew Hillary was going to play ball. She was willing to lie about things like Benghazi, and the intelligence community loves that. They love a false flag. They love a candidate who is willing to lie, and they also really love candidates that they have dirt on. They probably didn't have any dirt on Bernie. He's just a stupid socialist, an earnest socialist. They probably didn't have any dirt on him, and they really wanted Hillary in there because they could at least blackmail her with all the information. I'm sure that the intelligence community has the thousands of emails that simply vanished. And if the Clintons didn't want that information to come out, then they had to run and play ball, but they lost. Even though they cheated in 2016 in the primary, even though they cheated in 2016 in the general, the cheating wasn't enough to overcome the massive amounts of support for Trump. And so they had to really change things over the course of the first four years, his first term, in order to ensure that the cheating would be enough in 2020. And who knows what's going to happen in 2024. But we know that it's possible to beat them when they cheat. So we have to vote. We have to encourage others to vote. Do not be discouraged by the fact that there's so much corruption. You have to show up to vote. If nothing else, it'll prove to them that no one supports them when they see the real numbers on the inside, regardless of what happens on the outside. Stick with us. We'll have Matt Couch on in the next segment. Cyber Week 2023, the biggest sale of the year, is now live. Store-wide free shipping on any order, double Patriot points, that's 10% off your next order, and up to 60% off on best-selling products. And X2, sold out for more than a year, that is the game-changing element in your body that counters the fluoride, everything. Nobody else has got it. Limited supply, X2, is discounted in InfoWarsStore.com. We've got sales right here, as much as 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com. We've got Brain Force Plus, the incredible nootropic, 60% off. Brain Force Ultra, fast acting, 60% off. Real Red Pill Plus, green fiber capsules, down out sleep support, 50% off. Vaso Beats, finally back in stock, 40% off. Bodies about to sell out, 40% off. The list goes on and on. And get a copy of my new book, The Great Awakening, The Plan to Defeat the Globalists and Launch the Next Great Renaissance, all at InfoWarsStore.com. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Chase Geyser, and with us this segment, we have a very special guest, a close personal friend of mine, Matt Couch. Matt, it is so good to see you and be with you, man. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, just so the audience knows who you are? I'm sure they already do, many of them, if not all of them. But just for the sake of those who are new to the Enlightenment, to the InfoWars awakening, can you let everybody know who you are? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm an investigator, uh, a journalist, uh, you know, a, a guy who's too stupid to give up, if you will, Chase. And so, uh, yeah, I've, I've been investigating everything from Fast and Furious to the Seth Rich murder to the Las Vegas shooting. And uh, we broke a lot of stories with my team over at the D.C. Patriot over the years. And so, um, yeah, we're just we're just guys that refuse to uh, give up on things. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a fan of the D.C. Patriot for a long time. You guys do a great job. 
And Matt, you're really an inspiration. You're one of the first guests I ever had on my podcast. So I'm forever grateful to you for being part of my journey into this, into the space, despite the fact that it's an ugly space, man. But tell me a little bit about this story that's breaking. We covered it a little bit in the last segment. The FBI ordered, uh, is ordered to turn over evidence in the murder of former DNC staffer Seth Rich. I know that you were sort of involved in the investigation of the Seth Rich incident, for lack of a better term. Yeah. How are you connected yeah. to this? Are you connected to this? And what's what's going on, man? Absolutely. One of my one of my attorneys and one of my great friends in life, Ty Clevenger, is, is the lead attorney on this lawsuit. We've been suing for uh, in, in different avenues, different ways uh, over the last few years to get information. The way this story started out is the FBI claimed they never took possession of the laptop. They never had the work laptop. They never had the tape or the DVD drives. They didn't have any of the information. Well, as we started to peel the onion back and peel layers back on the onion, uh, they said they they didn't even investigate it. Well, in 2020, I'll just break it down real quick. In 2020, uh, Tom Fitton over Judicial Watch, Tom, basically, they filed a FOIA, but they didn't know what they had. It had nothing to do with Seth Rich, but the FBI and the U.S. attorney who approved it or whatever, they screwed up. Our team went into the, the files of from Judicial Watch and found documents from Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. And in those documents, they were talking about Seth Rich and how they were going to squash it. This was back in 2020 when this came out. Did they say so they had we, the laptop in, in those yeah, documents? Yeah. The, the story in general, they were going to squash the story in general wow. back in 2020. And uh, that was the, that was the verbiage. And we've got that up, too. I can I can send you guys the links. And so so basically. Uh, that's when we were like, okay, wait a minute. They are, they're talking about this in FBI communications and emails. So they've obviously lied. They say that they, and so we started peeling the ending back. Then we started suing, uh, Ty Clevenger, Eden Quainton, my two amazing attorneys, uh, who've been there for me. They, they make a long story short, we went, went from, we didn't investigate it to now there's over 5,000 pages of documents relating to Seth Rich that the FBI has turned in, uh, wow. or, or admitted to having, I should say, Chase. Now here's the kicker though. They're pulling a the JFK on us. They said due to COVID, they can only release 500 pages a month because they're understaffed, which means it'll all be out in 83 years. Wow. So can the judge apply any pressure to just say that's ridiculous, you need to expedite this? We, we, we hope so. The judge is in the Eastern District of Texas, a federal judge. We didn't, we're smart enough to not go through D.C. anymore, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, with the federal judges. Uh, and so what he's ordered in this new filing is that they have to give up, they've got 14 days to give up their disclosure agreement of when they're going to release uh, the laptop, the work laptop, the tape and DVD drives to uh, uh, to the attorneys. And, and, and uh, of course, they're going to kick the can down the road. They'll mm-hmm. probably appeal. But it's it's a victory. Uh, and you have to stay the course. You have to keep fighting, Chase. So many people have been like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Well, I mean, should we just not fight for the truth? Because that seems to be the uh, the, the, the stigma from so many conservatives out there that we should we shouldn't fight for this. And we've just never given up. So first they lied and said they didn't have any of these contents the laptops the drives whatever and have they actually explicitly admitted now that they have the devices or, or copies of the hard drives oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's, in, it's all in documents court documents filings they've got them they know they, they admitted they took possession uh-huh. they, they've, they've been caught in so many lies the fbi has it's unbelievable here uh the american uh public they've got you know the populist movement has got to at some point realize that this is this is the 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 alphabet agencies are running the country. Mm-hmm. The FBI, the CIA, the NSA, DIA, although though they are running the country, your politicians are scared to death of these people. Go back to 2017, Chase Donald Trump, uh, a guy most of us love. He literally is. I'm releasing all the JFK. You know, he was ready to roll with it, right? Yeah. And then literally, what was it like a week? The CIA comes out, multiple things happen, and all of a sudden. They stopped Trump from releasing it. Mm-hmm. These guys control presidents. They control uh, your congressional members, your Senate. 
Uh, they are the power, in and it's why they killed JFK and his brother and tried to kill Reagan. It's it's insane when you break all of this down. It's it's absolutely nuts that this is still going on. We still don't have the truth about JFK, even though we kind of think we know what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's nuts, Jason. This is just another one of those uh, uh, government cover-ups in America. Do you anticipate that the FBI is going to lie and say that they misplaced or lost the information that the court's demanding that they release? I think they will They will try to do that. I, I don't think they can claim that they don't have it because the judge is, is really irritated with them. He's a mm-hmm. you know conservative uh, Trump appointee, federal judge. He's very irritated with them, I believe. But I also think what they will try to do is redact everything due to national security. That's the thing that the NSA, CIA, FBI, I've done so much of this over the years. They love, they absolutely love to uh, to, to, to basically um, to, to mm-hmm. use that, oh, it's national security. We can't release it because of national security. Uh, I, I, in fact, we even, even filed lawsuits on myself, my attorneys did, wanting them to release information uh, if they had spied on on myself and my social media accounts and my personal phones and devices, and their response was, we can't answer that because it could be due to national security. Wow. Wow. And so obviously the conspiracy theory has was and is that he was leaking information to WikiLeaks and they whacked him for it. That's as simple as that. That's the conspiracy theory. We're not advocating whether or not it's true or not. That's a conspiracy theory. And so if he was just a regular staffer that wasn't doing any of these things. Why is it that the FBI would have 5,000 pages of documents on him? It doesn't seem like if a miscellaneous volunteer for a a presidential campaign was robbed and murdered, that the FBI would just develop 5,000 pages worth of documents on, on, on that issue. Yeah. We, we've done so much investigating, investigating on this chase. Look, when I was in DC, you'll love this one. So uh, the, the path that Seth Rich would have walked on his way home, for example, you know, we, we went different directions. We walked that with my investigators, my team. We were there on the ground for, for weeks at a time investigating this. And he would have walked past multiple ATM cameras, which those cameras are on at all times. Mm-hmm. So we, we tried to FOIA that information. Well, the banks, and these are national prominent banks that had these ATM machines along the corridor he would have walked, said that they had malware issues that night and uh, all of their cameras were scrambled. I mean, I mean that sounds normal, right? Wow. So do you think that they actually have the footage and they're just saying their cameras were scrambled? Or do you think that the intelligence community came in and scrambled the cameras so that nobody would have that information? I, I think you got to go back to, to, to Cy Hirsch, Seymour Hirsch. He's a very credible guy, Pulitzer mm-hmm. Prize winner, darling yeah. of the left, New York Times guy. Yep. When he came out and said that this was a Brennan op, the kid got more than he realized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he, and he even, uh, you know, admits that the kid was, uh, you know, was was killed and didn't know what he had. Right. And so that's, you know, I, I think Cy Hirsch was, you know, very well into it. I don't know who his source was at the FBI. He wouldn't reveal that, of course. Uh, but I think you look you look at what Cy Hirsch said with uh, with this whole situation. I think it, when he when Cy Hirsch says it's a Brennan op based on his FBI sources, I think anything's on the table that the, the CIA was involved in this. Wow. So we've only got about 30 seconds left in this segment. Matt, where can people find you and follow you as well as engage with the work that you're doing? Absolutely. You can find me at Real Matt Couch on all social media platforms except for Instagram because Zuckerberg loves me so much. I'm at Sofa on the Hill on Instagram, but at Real Matt Couch. Uh, our news site, the DC Patriot, that's just the DCPatriot.com. And if you want to support our work, you can go to faithandfreedoms.com, our apparel brand, and uh, pick up some diehard merchandise there. You know, so it's a Christmas movie, Chase. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. It's an honor and pleasure to speak with you. We need to catch up again off air sometime very soon. I miss you, man. Take care, and I hope that all is well with you and yours. Thank you so much for coming on InfoWars this morning on hey, the American Journal. Thanks Drum. for all you guys do at InfoWars, Chase. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye.
So we're about ready to cut to break, folks. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. The InfoWars Store Cyber Week special has arrived, up to 60% off, plus free shipping and double Patriot points. The annual Cyber Week event at InfoWars Store has arrived, and we're bringing you a huge roster of sales, including recently restocked, best-selling items at up to 60% off. In addition to those savings, we are offering free store-wide shipping and double Patriot points. Get 60% off of some of our best products like BrainForce Plus and BrainForce Ultra, as well as 50% off Real Red Pill Plus, Greens, Fiber Capsules, Down and Out Sleep Support, and 40% off several other famous products and 25% off Survival Shield X2, which is back in stock today. The eugenicists over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have that communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. Supplements are the fastest growing industry in the world for the last decade, year after year, because they really work. The compounds in nature are just incredible. And InfoWars has some of the very best supplements there are. Can you find other great ones out there? Absolutely. But ours are amongst the very best, and they fund the InfoWar. So that makes it a 360 win. We have store-wide free shipping for Cyber Week, only for a few more days. We have double Patriot points, and we have so many great products back in stock, like X2 and DNA Force Plus and Vaso Beats and Ultra 12. Some of the products are up to 60% off, like Brain Force Plus and Brain Force Ultra. The best deals are 60% off, right down to 25% off, but these are amazing products, and they fund the InfoWar. So get the best products out there and keep InfoWars at the tip of the spear in the fight at InfoWarsStore.com. Free shipping right now. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Bill Gates, I'm throwing that little chick attack. You know how you walk, like, like a demonic elf. Hey, Bill Gates. Got Angelina Jolie going, children. I am Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm Piz Morgan. Ever seen a Choini? My name's Glenn Beck. That's Hillary. Barack Obama without my teleprompter. I was raised by the Ford Foundation at Carnegie Endowment. Welcome to McDonald's. May I help you? I'm Benny Sanders. Chris Hayes has glasses like he's a little smart night.
Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geiser, your host this morning. We have a great guest coming up at the top of the hour, and we'll see a segment in the first five minutes of the top of the hour from one of her appearances, her speeches. She is quite fascinating. I'm very much looking forward to it. In the meantime, let's dive a little bit more into this Kissinger situation. So former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger has reportedly died, according to the Washington Post. Ding dong, the witch is dead. The statesman passed away at the age of 100 at his Connecticut home, according to a statement from his consulting firm, which did not give a cause of death. Probably old age. Kissinger was the only person ever to be White House National Security Advisor and Secretary of State at the same time, exercising a control over U.S. foreign policy that has rarely been equaled by anyone who was not president, except for maybe Dick Cheney under the Bush administration. So he notably helped create the post-World War II world order, the first sort of new world order. Mr. Kissinger is revered in China for having engineered the opening of relations between the CCP and Washington under President Nixon during the Cold War in the early 1970s. So basically, as far as I can tell, with my limited layman understanding of Kissinger, He was, in large, not only responsible for many of the military conflicts that we were involved with and manipulating world leaders worldwide on behalf of whatever his actual agenda was, something he actually didn't agree to disclose to one of his biographers, a professor whose name escapes me, a professor at Vanderbilt University, I believe, wrote a book about Kissinger and interviewed him, and he asked him. No, it wasn't him. It was the guest that was on the Lex Friedman show. I was listening to some YouTube videos this morning trying to get, learn about him a little bit. There was a guest on Lex Friedman's show who is an expert in Kissinger. And he said that when he interviewed him, he asked him what his reasoning or purpose or agenda was behind some of the decisions that he made. And I believe he just refused to answer the question. He said, I can't answer that right now. So he's discreet about what his real agenda is. He's kind of like Soros. If Soros actually like got a political job, Soros is like the finance version of Kissinger. Kissinger is like the political version actual politico version of of soros but what he did was not only get us involved in vietnam and get us involved in all these middle eastern conflicts and escalate this and de-escalate that and basically manipulate every administration since nixon all the way through even the bush administration all the way through 9-11 and all these psyops and black flag operations that got us involved overseas but he exported our manufacturing to china He, of course, thinking, all right, we're in the Cold War, so we don't want China to be an enemy because if China and Russia are are enemies, then we're going to be in a very untenable position as a nation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up, establish relations between the CCP and the United States of America so that there is an interdependence so that China will never turn on us and side with Russia and engage in some sort of a global nuclear conflict. And so what he had to do in order to accomplish such a feat, after all, the communists don't really like the capitalists and vice versa, we fought several wars sort of against communism. One big one, Vietnam, where 60,000 Americans died, I believe, over 60,000, maybe 68,000. And what he did was he met with China and he said, all right, we're going to give you all the manufacturing and it's going to boost your economy. It's going to bring you out of this great leap forward nightmare that you've just experienced. Remember, between 1958 and 1962, tens of millions of Chinese people died of starvation because of some of the bad policies accidental policies that took place that resulted in low harvest yields and mass famine and death 10 times the size of the holocaust i mean six million jews died in the holocaust at least 60 million chinese died because of starvation during the great leap forward 
So we're going to come to you. We're going to industrialize China. We're going to give you the manufacturing opportunity. And you're going to export everything to us in the United States. The Americans are going to love this because everything's going to be way cheaper because the cost of labor in the United States is too expensive and the regulation is too much to actually get people to work for a low cost. So they're going to love that and you're going to love it too because you're going to get all of our money and you're going to be able to industrialize your nation, bring it from a third world to a first world nation. And ultimately, we know what happened. All the manufacturing jobs disappeared. The middle class really struggled. And our economy then shifted from a product-based economy to a service-based economy. So we don't make things and export them or make things and sell things anymore. Now we engage in services. We have small business owners that do things like create software for you or consult for you. Some of our largest companies are simply consulting companies like the big four, like APMG and others, or the IBMs. And then our big tech companies, which have made astronomical sums of money since this change, are all service-based as well. You use Google as a service to do searches. You use social media platforms as a service to connect with friends or follow people that you're interested in. We shifted from a manufacturing economy to a service-based economy. And that's all well and good as long as the private property rights of the citizens of America are protected, as long as our borders are protected, and as long as our currency remains the global reserve currency. If we have the strongest currency, then we can ensure that there's demand for our dollars internationally. We can ensure that people will want to do business with the United States, that they'll want to learn how to speak English. We can establish the new world order, a globalized government through sacrificing our entire way of life, the entire way that we do business, the entire way that we live. And as China became more and more like the United States, it's not very much like the United States, but as it became more and more capitalist and less and less communist, we had this inverse thing happen where we became more and more communist and less and less capitalist. And now we're finally meeting in the middle where both nations pretend to be free countries, but neither really are, and both refer to each other as dictators. Xi Jinping famously doesn't believe that democracy can prevail or a republic can prevail over the course of the 21st century because there's too much red tape. The mob is irresponsible. It's uneducated. It's not knowledgeable about issues. It can't respond quickly enough to crises. And so the philosophy in China is that democracy is not going to be sustainable in the 21st century as things move quickly. Things change quickly with technology, with Natural disasters with wars, conflicts, economic issues. There's too many variables. There's too many risks, vulnerabilities in place for democracy to actually be able to respond quickly enough to all of them. It's like whack-a-mole, right? You just can't do it. But with a tyranny, with a dictatorship, with a communist regime led by one man top down, and Hitler wrote about this in Mein Kampf. If you read Mein Kampf, he explicitly states that the organizational structure of the Third Reich was intentionally designed to be all top down where everybody just blindly obeys. He wrote it explicitly because it was more efficient and it could move more quickly. There were dozens of political parties in Germany when the Nazis came to power. They had to move quickly and adapt quickly in order to actually get ahead. And so that's what Xi Jinping's philosophy is. We have to have, they have to have in China, this autocracy, this tyranny, this dictatorship, because that's how they're going to be able to outpivot and outmaneuver the United States. It's like a David and Goliath story. We're Goliath. We're actually very strong. We're very intimidating. We've got all the nukes. We've got all the capabilities. We've got all the technology, all the money. But the agility of David is like the Chinese, where they don't have the resources that we have. They don't have the means that we have, but they don't have to attack us head on if they can just slingshot a stone at us. And that's why we've arrived at this place in this new world order manifest by Kissinger's leadership and influence and manipulation and coercion 
where we're constantly in war with China via proxy in the Middle East because it's all about the reserve currency. The only strength that we have, it's our strength and our kryptonite, is the fact that we are the global reserve currency and we can sanction the hell out of anyone in the world because everyone depends on U.S. dollars in order to do business. And China has been scheming and maneuvering with some great agility for the last several decades to try to do anything possible to subvert that strength that we have. And once the yen to be the global reserve currency, I heard rumors yesterday. I'm not sure if this is true. Did Saudi Arabia officially pull out of the petrodollar? We can talk about that in the next segment. I'd love for you guys to look that up. I heard somebody say that when I was in a Discord group last night. I didn't have a chance to look into it. But they want the OPEC nations to stop trading dollars, excuse me, trading oil in dollars, because then they can replace the dollar as the global reserve currency with the yen, and they can establish their own yen digital currency. And it'll be a communist CCP New World Order in the 21st century instead of a United States version of the New World Order, which is better, but still not pretty. Basically, we've gotten to a point where we're not fans of either team playing in the Super Bowl this year, and we kind of hope one wins over the other, but it's disgusting to us that either is going to even possibly win. So we'll talk more about this in the next segment. We are going to have a great guest on in the next hour. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason we are still on the air. Check out X2, Survival Shield, which is now on sale for 25% off. Stick with us for more on the other side. One of the most frustrating things about being awake to the globalist agenda is seeing the general public still asleep. By and large, not aware of the magnitude of the incredible danger they're under, but also the ongoing attacks and the magnitude of the death caused by the lethal injections masquerading as vaccines. It is so frustrating to see people going about their daily lives oblivious. And you realize ignorance is not bliss, it equals death. But people are starting to really understand how serious things are. And that's that's a hard thing to do because to wake up to a dystopic reality and realize that we're in the middle of a giant biological weapons war against humanity. And that there's mass sterilization that's already taking place. And they're cutting off all the major energy sources is really hard to deal with, but it's the reality. Facing it is our only chance to turn this around because stuff's about to get really, really nasty. Infowars.com.